Hi everyone, I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I have been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years. A lot of the times we cover all the different space and astronomy news stories that you might be interested in. I bring on special guests to go behind the scenes to give you the inside scoop on what is happening. And today I'm rejoined my friend Chris Prophet, who had, we've talked, this is like a third time, fourth time that we've talked. I think it's four. Four, yeah. Uh, you are, you well, are 3.5. 3.5, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are my go to guy for all things SpaceX. And it's been a couple of years. Uh, mm -hmm. So we definitely do some catching up. So, hey, Chris, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, fine and fit, and I'm happy to be here. Um, Keep track of your show. I like it. Yeah, especially the answers and uh, answers and questions, oh, or whichever way you want to phrase it. <laughs> so, if um, you know, for people who don't know, who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm a writer, and uh, I write fiction. Uh, but back in 2016, I was happily completing or getting towards the end of a, a nice fiction, and I was happy with the characters, happy with the stories. But then suddenly the penny dropped and I realized what SpaceX was going to be announcing uh, at the end of the year. And, and it sort of came to me, well, on one, on one hand, I'm writing about science fiction, about what could happen in the future. And there is a company who is actually making what I'm writing about uh, happen right now. So which one's the most one in uh, the most important one to write about. So that's where I went to. I went to SpaceX, and I've been happy there ever since. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not that you work for SpaceX, but the, but you have been covering SpaceX for yeah, yeah, since 2016. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that that's that's correct. I mean, I won't say whether I'll neither confirm or deny whether I've uh, had contact with people at <laughs> SpaceX because right. that can get them into a lot of trouble. Well, you got to protect it, your sources. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, I guess I, there's been a lot of developments that have happened in the world of SpaceX since we last talked, and I wanted to cover a bunch of kind of history first, and then we'll mm -hmm. move forward into the future. So, so let's talk about about Crew Dragon and essentially SpaceX's delivery of a human-rated spacecraft finally to the United mm -hmm. States of America. Uh, so what's the what's the story with that? Crew Dragon. Well, uh, it's a beautiful story, really. Uh, they they completed the Falcon Nine, and it's a great job. They spent like three hundred million on it, and NASA estimated it was going to be three point six billion to uh, produce an equivalent vehicle. Uh, they they had some lovely missions to the ISS uh, with their cargo dragon and it was just a natural evolution really just to go to crew because that's that's part of the big goal for uh spacex well for elon in particular and that's human space travel so yeah it that was a that was a priority and and that worked for them um i mean there was there was problems there's always problems but i mean they just get going they uh, as Grinshot well puts it they just put their head down and charge for the line they get there they they do the job at the end of the day they had to sort of reinvent some NASA standards as regards parachutes because there's su such a problem uh, <laughs> they did some tensioning uh, 
hypertension tests on the risers and it was not at all uh, equal and that was going to cause some problems with the parachutes. I mean, they've still got problems with the parachutes, but they went to different materials, xylon and uh, lighter materials for the canopy. And it all it all came good in the end. It's 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 a. I mean, the rocket is fantastically safe. Uh, saying that, I touch wood, but they've had a they've had piles of missions 100, 100 missions i believe without for, without a hiccup basically well, for falcon for falcon 9 yeah falcon and reuse, 9 yeah uh which is kind of amazing like i think oh, some are yeah. crossing 10 reuses at this point of falcon 9 uh 12, uh, 12. i think it's 12 launches at latest count yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean it's incredible um <sighs> some people some people make a, a sort of mistaken judgment about uh, SpaceX, Tesla, uh, Boeing Company, um, they, they sort of look at the, what they produce and say, well, that's who they are. But it's not, it's not really true. They're all technology development companies, uh, except for in, in different sectors. SpaceX is in the space sector and Tesla's in the car sector and the Boeing Company, well, that's underground. <laughs> so, uh, but... Uh, that that's that's where their real uh, finesse is. When they're real forte, they're hiding their light under a bushel. I mean, yes, they launch vehicles, but what they're really good at is tech development. That that's why they managed to sort of just pull through on the, on the dragon and bring it to market so quickly and it, successfully. It's interesting, yeah. you know. My my background is in 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 computers, <clears throat> computer uh, software development. Mm. And this this idea of iterative development. I mean, anyone who's a programmer, anyone who's ever mm. worked on a tech platform, mm. you know, you you add a little bit of code, you recompile <laughs> your code, you add a little bit more code, you see if it broke anything you already did, add a little more, mm. you increment, and the faster you can, you know, you can increment and test what you've done and lock it in, the the mm. more stable your your technology works over the long term, as opposed to developing something very complicated we call them cathedrals you build a cathedral mm. versus the bazaar and <laughs> you build this giant cathedral and then you try to compile the whole thing and it all just comes apart and there's bugs everywhere and oh. nobody knows what to do and mm. and it's the the key is the iteration and it really feels like you know with say nasa's with the sls i mean here we are we've just just seen the one of the main major tests we're probably a couple of months away but it is 20 years in the making this next mm. generation rocket system while spacex as you said 300 ish million dollars to develop mm. um you know the the, the to it's develop just... the entire falcon 9 system well sls is going to be four billion dollars a launch we're hearing at this point mm. Mm, 4.1 yeah 4.1 yeah sorry you know, I, <laughs> this that, this week's price <laughs> right what's 100 million here like, and there i'm a ticker yeah, yeah yeah so i guess what what role how does that iterative development play out across the company well it's absolutely essential they they bring hardware uh to test as soon as possible uh, to do a software analogy i believe they do this they do an alpha test for the software and then a beta and then bring it to market that's exactly what they do uh, but with hardware i mean the blue origin drool uh, over the ability uh, to do this they've never quite mastered it but spacex are really good at it i mean as soon as, as soon as you start putting anything together that 
that approximates the job you want to perform, you start to learn things about uh, 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 about the process, about the problems you're encountered, and you can incorporate those in the late in each iteration. And just and by the time you actually get to the final hardware, it, it's it's rock solid because you've literally explored the whole envelope of uh, of problems and, and and possibilities and you've found out what works and what doesn't work and, and you've really made it uh, strong uh, yeah it's it's just a great way of uh, of operating it's so logical you know you think well why, why would anybody do anything else really uh, i mean this is what i'm on about the the tech development this is what they're good at and this is how they do it because they they go in right from uh, day one they're, they're hardware heavy and then they just get heavier <laughs> so they yeah. go through the process right they, they don't mind burning hardware that that's 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 what it's there for uh, now we heard this week that spacex has actually stopped development of the crew dragon they've built four capsules i think and now they're they've stopped well, they've actually stopped development for some time now, but they've stopped uh, constructing them now because basically they have a reusable fleet and that reusable fleet should just see them through until Starship uh, starts doing its launches. Um, I have a, a few uh, trepidations about Starship uh, because uh, basically when you if you attempt to dock that to the ISS, well... Well, might be a few problems there because I understand when the shuttle used to dock uh, because of the transfer momentum it used to send sort of ripples backwards and forwards through the station and, and it used to creak for days but this is a much larger vessel basically Starship I think really they should do like they have in the expanse where they have like a, an extendable like uh, connection between the two so there's no that huge transfer of momentum yeah but we'll see i'm they're, they're always coming up with some new stuff and stuff that's interesting that's but interesting yeah, uh, uh, yeah 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 i mean it's a pity about dragon but you know everything has its day you know <laughs> do, do you think i mean you know we've been looking at the development of of the sls and the orion capsule and the role it's going to mm. play in the artemis mission mm. do you think that it could be done with even the Falcon Heavy and an upgraded version of Crew Dragon. Could that carry people to the moon? Uh, well, yeah, anything's possible. They'd have to put some more uh, uh, radiation mitigation in there. But, right. I mean, it, it's basically you're talking about materials and compounds which have got high hydrogen uh, content because hydrogen is great at knocking down radiation energy. So that's not too, too difficult. They might lose some internal volume. Yeah, sure. But... Uh, that, that's if you absolutely had to get to the moon. You know, if, some, if, if NASA's came to them and said, okay, we need to be at the moon next year, they could do it. They could do it now. But that's not the plan. It's not part of the big plan. Big plan is all about Starship. I mean, yeah, if, if, <laughs> if they wanted to do it with Starship next year, now that would be a challenge. Right. Because <laughs> they're still in the boondocks at the moment with that. Yeah. Uh, they get in there. They get in there. Well, right. So, so let's shift gears. I mean, Crew Dragon is is really an interim technology. It's designed to fill that gap between the the cancellation of the space shuttle and the arrival mm. of Starship. Uh, so again, you know, it's been a couple of years. I don't think we even talked before. We, last time we had talked, I don't think Starship had even flown yet. So now mm. we've seen Starship fly, return safely to the landing pad. We've seen a bunch of them explode. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and so from that, that successful test flight, what does the Boca Chica 
launch facility look like today? What's going on there? Well, there's just so much going on. It's just tremendous, the expansion over a couple of years. Um, they just, uh, <laughs> I remember going on Reddit and saying, well, it's just a field at the moment and they're constructing these uh, star hoppers like, uh, like you would a ship out in the open. And I said, well, they'll have to put down some hangars to give it some shelter. And I was absolutely hauled across the coals for that one. But uh, every, every like uh, six months, we see a larger like hangar coming into place. Um, I just love the the joined up thinking they have. It's 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 great. Uh, you you want that in all of your like uh, sp space uh, exploits. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, the large hangar they're building at the moment. They call it the wide bay. Some people call it the mega bay. Um, it's huge. Mm -hmm. They they won't have any more problems about uh, having these nine meter wide. Uh, vessel was in there because at the moment sometimes they have to pull one out to put an, uh, to shuffle some stuff around inside and then put it back in again but uh, the Y bay you can just put four in there there's no problems at all but as regards joined up thinking uh, Elon says they'll they're probably happy with this nine meter size and it would be more than four times ha harder to make something larger than that but that doesn't he didn't discount they right. would make it in the future well, he yeah. had said that uh, that the that Starship is the minimal viable size to make a fully reusable two stage rocket, mm. and and uh, that an eighteen meter fairing would probably be even more efficient, but not necessarily twice as tall. Like, mm. but it would be wider, stubbier. Mm. Um, but you're saying that in fact he said that it turns out that's probably going to be a lot more expensive than. Than well, not ex believed. expensive it's just paper at the end of the day to him he's just he's, he's the richest right. man in the world you know by quite a large margin he, he never has problems finding money but yeah it would be more than four times more difficult technically to do mm, i mean I that, that's the main thing that worries him money, writing a check no problem but actually getting in there and, and building it up and making it work that'd yeah. be tough so uh, so if you were to like stand if you were to visit boca chica facility right now and look mm. around there what kinds like what is a raid now because you see like a whole bunch of rockets and and launch gantries and stuff so what is the state of all of this equipment now it's in a high state of readiness it's it's good uh, i mean whenever the faa comes through with that uh, right well, <laughs> with, we'll talk about that, that in a second but, but i'm more yeah. like like what do they have what do they have stocked up i mean they've got the launch gantry they've got how many boosters what's there and ready to go Okay, well, th they've got a whole rocket garden full of uh, starships and a, a booster there. They've got another, not, they've got two boosters on the pad. Uh, it seems very likely, though, that they're going to the next iteration. The problem is they, they produce them so quickly that by the time it gets to the pad, it's, it's sort of obsolete by, mm -hmm. by the next one uh, in the line behind them. I mean, I'm particularly impressed by the uh, booster number seven. Uh, which has just kicked the booster number four off the pad. It, it, it has these uh, chines that run down the side, which are like aerodynamic uh, bumps, uh, which cover the COPVs, the composite overwrapped pressure vessels. And they can be, you think, just something which is maybe a, a, a meter deep. 
that, that, that wouldn't have much effect. You wouldn't get much lift. But if you're flying at a hypersonic re-entry, you will get a, a substantial amount of sort of glide uh, hmm. of, uh, ability with that. That'll, imp that'll, that'll reduce the amount of fuel you need to get back to the uh, launch pad, which is always a big thing. Uh, so this, yeah. <laughs> this skyscraper is going to be gliding, attempting to glide back to, mm. the, uh, to the launch pad. Oh dear, and then and then the arms will of course come out and catch it, and and, that, and there'll be no problem. It'll just set it down on the pad, and they won't lose any any boosters at all. No, it, it'll be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is definitely. It is a bold, risky play to catch your booster on the launch gantry mm. with this exact thing. If it comes down a few meters per second too fast and the thing detonates you lose the booster you lose all the boosters that were nearby you lose the starships that were nearby and you lose the launch gantry which yeah couldn't have been cheap so it is a it is a brave um, gamble engineering angle yeah exactly gamble. Uh, but i'm saying that I don't know if you, if you noticed the last uh, landing by the Falcon uh, 9 for the no. uh, 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 it was basically so central on the uh, uh, on the landing ship, all right, that they had signal uh, throughout. Normally, what happens is it, it's slightly off center, and the uh, and the landing ship just wobbles, and that knocks the antenna out, right? So you don't get a signal. But now it just came straight down onto huh. that on, onto the X. You right? just explained and, and you had the mystery. Signal all the way through. I had no idea. Yeah. So people always ask me like like why does the signal always cut when the oh, rocket's yeah, yeah. just about to land and that's because the landing is yeah, a little off angle and it tips the the satellite yeah. dish away Rocking. from that's interesting i had no idea wow thank you so the rocket was actually stabilizing the uh, landing platform <laughs> that's amazing yeah it was so perfect yeah. so then what I guess when do we expect Starship is going to actually attempt an orbital flight, and and what will that mission look like? Okay, well, uh, according to Elon, that is May, but it's down to the FAA, good old FAA. Um, it's going to look like a year uh, since they've started their investigation. Uh, I think, to be honest, uh, they were a little surprised because. The, they already did the long investigation before 2014, the environmental investigation, and said, yeah, 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 you can have a spaceport there. Because they get loads of applications from all around the country saying, oh, can we can we change the designation from this airport to a spaceport? You know, we think it might look good on our, on our resume, right? And they say, oh, yeah, no problem, yes, yes. But uh, that, I think it was a bit of a shock for them because not only did SpaceX – uh, create a spaceport there that they also used it as well the, for launching vehicles and then they're going oh <laughs> they, you you didn't say you were going to use it though did you yeah <laughs> so yeah. and uh, they and of course because they iterate it's just it just goes like topsy there's loads and yeah. loads of extra stuff there you know bigger vehicles higher heights uh, and, and it's just shocking so they've done this program and grow programmatic uh, environmental assessment again and and it'll probably take a year and yeah. at the end of that hopefully we're going to launch this summer uh, yeah i mean i after. i mean i don't have a i mean it's a sensitive environment it's a it's a marine coast it's a fairly mm -hmm. sensitive environment they've exploded a bunch of starships that drop wreckage propellant yeah. and material all around this fairly sensitive landscape i um 
I think caution is wise if if they plan to scale this thing up to this to the size that they want to do with multiple starships launching every single day and the potential for for disasters. It you know, I think we can take an extra year or two to just make sure we can mitigate the the environmental threat of of these launches. Well, you say that, um, yes, it is surrounded by uh, wildlife uh, preservation areas, but that's exactly the same as what happens at the Cape. Merritt mm -hmm. Island is right there at the end of the range. And in fact, Merritt Island is probably a better uh, nature preservation area because of uh, all the activity at, uh, at Kennedy, because it keeps people away from it. Wildlife lo loves it when there's no people there. <laughs> and I think, uh, well, the roads closed all this week uh, for SpaceX activities, so the beach is theirs, <laughs> and all, all the surrounding, all that lovely um, uh, <coughs> salt flats, uh, whatever you want to call it, mud flats that surrounds it, which is such a vital uh, thing to preserve. It's it's lovely, yeah. <laughs> so. so so maybe I mean, I've seen maybe the end of May, you know, sometime in May, we should we could see an orbital launch, but it's not going to use the launch gantry. What is what? What? How will this launch go? What is it? What's supposed to happen? Well, uh, as far as I understand, it's going to go on stage zero, which is that uh, large tripod. That, uh, well, it's a tripod. It's a it's an elevated platform. That's that's the plan. Uh, they're going to have uh, a deluge system and it's going to cut down on the noise so it doesn't demolish everything in the area because there will be a lot of noise on that um and hopefully <laughs> it's gonna take off yep. and land now so what's so sorry so what's gonna take off well a, a full stack they, they really want to do a full stack uh that's elon is impatient they have the hardware and if, if something goes wrong, they have more right. hardware coming up. We're looking at uh, B7, B7 at the moment on the pad, but they've got B8. That's so B, B7 stage. is the super heavy booster? Yeah, B7. And what's, what's special about B7? Well, it has these chines, uh, it, that, and it has the uh, better alignment of the COPVs. It's going to have the Raptor 2 engines. It's, in, it's incredible. You know, what I was saying, uh, uh, they're a technology development company. Uh, Blue Origin started their development at B4 about the same time as Raptor. They actually borrowed a few uh, engineers from SpaceX from the Raptor program to work borrowed. on B4. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, I think they've produced less than 10 now. I believe the figure is nine engines, and then none of them have actually sort of worked. But SpaceX, they, they've passed the 100-engine mark quite some time ago, and they're now on to the next iteration, a serious iteration, which is Raptor 2, which is, I mean, the original engine, Raptor 1, looked at, it looked fussy, basically. There was a lot of stuff, bits hanging off it, but this is just sweet. It, it's really been simplified. It's lovely. I mean, uh, just little things. This is the joined-up thinking I was telling you about, uh, removing the flanges, uh, because you have O-rings in flanges, and it's a point of failure, basically, and, and it's extra weight. Um, I mean, that was what 
caused the Challenger disaster, as I understand it. There were seals uh, between each of the rings, and one of them leaked, and that cut through the onto the hydrogen tank like like a like a like a torch, and and that just at the end of Challenger. So you you remove those you remove those flanges, you make them welded. That should be, in theory, a much safer engine, a, a much more practical operating. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Raptor 2 in, in action, but I'm really intrigued by the engine after that, which we've heard about. Oh, really? Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, uh, another engine coming. We're not even sure whether it's a chemical engine, but it, it, it's one that Elon said that uh, it's not going to be called Raptor and it's going to be used for multi-planetary uh, transport. Well, wait a second. Uh, so... Okay, wait a second. You say we're not sure that it's going to be a chemical engine, what are our other options? Well, there's uh, they have been sort of experimenting with these hall thrusters that uh, they use on Starlink, so they're not you know electric propulsion. Uh, it could be it could be chemical. I mean, they're really really good at chemical engines, as you can see between Bo and uh, and SpaceX. The difference is it's just frightening. I classed uh, Blue Origin as a tech company. But SpaceX is a tech development company, and there's quite a difference there, as you say, from, from as you can see from the performance. But uh, yeah, uh, go on. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, you know, the, the fact that they've got, they're building this experience with the Starlinks and those hull thrusters. They've got Krypton propellant mm. hull thrusters. Mm. And, and to sort of take that experience and try to scale it up for something that would work interplanetary would be really interesting. Um, oh, nuclear, yes. like a fission rocket, but I, I doubt they're going to be able to get their hands on some kind of fission uh, reactor to be able to do this work. So let's let's go back to the story on what's going to launch. We talked about we've got BB-7, which is going to be the super heavy with the new Raptor 2 engines. What Starship is probably going to be on top of it? Uh, it's S S-24, I believe, is, is the next one up. Um, it's, a, it's, it's just a good... <laughs> it's the latest iteration is the best they got so it's it's gonna it's gonna go um it's it's look the tiling on it the star bricks looking really nice sweet um i can't believe they're actually intending to try and catch <laughs> the returning starships with those arms <laughs> the mechazilla arms as well nasa will never agree agree for that for the crew right. uh, program <laughs> now the plan with this first launch though is to not launch it they're, they're not going to try and land and catch it the first time around right no. they're going to try and dish them into the ocean never say never um the the original plan they had with the fcc was to launch uh, a, a full stack and then uh, B-20 would come, uh, sorry, uh, uh, the booster would come down and land in the ocean off the shore so they could see whether it could, they could guide it back close to the landing point. And then the uh, the Starship was going to do almost an orbit and it would re-enter sort of north of the Hawaii uh, islands. So that, that all looked great. That was, you know, that was a good uh, mission for uh, B-20. Uh, for the last iteration of Starship right, uh, and Booster. But this new iteration, which has got the Raptor uh, 2 engines, who knows? They might be even more ambitious. They might try and bring it back to the pad because those engines are sweet indeed. They are like... Uh, they had a they had a little bit of problem with the uh, prior uh, Starship and um, 
booster. It, I mean, there's no delicate way of saying it. it, it they were a little overweight, all right? It's, uh, <laughs> the problem is there's always mass growth, growth, uh, growth on these things, and uh, the engines were not quite hitting the performance mark they wanted. It was like 185 tonnes, where they were really looking for 200, and the mass growth, it, 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 it's not ideal. So, uh, but the new uh, the new models that they've got the B seven S S twenty four that's just uh, yeah uh, with those Raptor twos on it they go up to like two hundred thirty tons thrust they're even lighter I mean Elon's looking to get it down to one and a half ton tons the actual weight of the engine which is really light uh, for that for that sort of power of engine that's an enormous thrust to weight ratio so. They can do that. Well, they could do anything with those vehicles, really. So, so you think now that that we're going to see <clears throat> not this original flight profile, but we might actually see a return to the pad for both the booster and the Starship, like in the original, the original I, plan. Like I, the I, final I plan. doubt. I doubt that they they bring the uh, Starship back. Uh, may, maybe land that somewhere safe, like in a, that that uh, range in Hawaii, but not in the ocean. Not drop drop them both in the ocean. Yeah. It's a possibility because, I mean, I mean, if if I was building those engines, those engines are so good, so nice. I wouldn't want to be thrown yeah. away in the ocean. I want to get them back and take a look at them afterwards, especially if you've got a good chance of controlling them, which I believe he has. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like the the SLS when you think about them launching the the RS twenty five engines, which flew with the space shuttle for years and years, and now they're going to be ditching these engines into the ocean with the with the first stage mm -hmm. of the SLS, it's just a, it's a heartbreak. It's like the Ferrari of, of rocket engines, and they're just going to be destroyed. Um, to the ocean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sad, sad indeed. Uh, as you say, it's a little bit of a step backwards because they did have a reusable spacecraft, and now they've just gone to disposable ones, chucking the whole thing away in, in the ocean, except for the Orion. They say they can reuse that, but I think they'll just make new ones, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So, so then, in theory, a month from now, two months from now, okay, come on, Elon time, six months mm. from now, nine months <laughs> from now, we see, we see some version of this thing succeed. Um, it's able, and I think, you know, for me, really, it's the, it's the engineering of the heat shield that is now the big question. We've seen mm. booster rockets launch and land. We've seen Starship do its thing. We've seen it glide, do its flip. The question is, will those heat tiles keep it alive through the return to the atmosphere? And they're going to find out how. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, yeah. get that hardware up there and see what happens. See how many they come back on. I mean, yeah. even if they lose a tile or two, though, this is the brilliant thing about the Starship. It, it has a stainless steel uh, superstructure. So even if they lose a tile, it's resistant. They've got a blanket underneath, and then they've got the stainless steel. So you know, it's not at all certain that the vehicle will be lost. I mean, if, as long as they get it back, it might be a little bit bent. They can look at it and see what works and what doesn't. And that's the main thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well, well pumped to see that. Yeah. that this that will be the major. Uh, a major threshold for the space program, fully reusable, fully reusable vehicles. It, it is like, it feels to me like this is, this is the point where everything changes. If it works, 
if it mm. doesn't work, then then everyone's caution, everyone's skepticism was well placed. But if mm. it does work, then then every other rocket company is going to be left hold, you know, holding the bag, they will have they will have been developing old technology, the wrong technology, they will not have access to a reusable two stage rocket, which will bring down flight costs, orders of magnitude. Like, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but it feels like it just evaporates the launch market overnight. Uh, well, no, the thing is, um, they they said, uh, you know, Nokia was can never be bumped off its perch. And, and uh, it was the, the, the technology was the best it could possibly be. And then along, along came like Blackberry was it and Nokia and the iPhone and it just knocked, knocked them off. And but Nokia is still there. They're still in operation. Kodak, you know, they developed the electronic camera and then suppressed it for so many years because they thought they'd lose business. But they're still there. The, the, you know, brands don't die as long as they've got uh, some chance of making money. Now, you're right. Uh, in 2023, uh, SpaceX will probably transition from uh, launch dominance to launch supremacy because there's a lot of problems with uh, vehicles at the moment. Like anything that uses a Russian engine, like the Antares or Atlas V, they're just yeah, they're they're gone. They're they're like a vapor trail. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as they run out of those engines, uh, anything that launches on Soyuz, that's got to come across basically to SpaceX. Uh, the uh, Ariane Six. That, that ideally that will launch at the end of this year but i've got a feeling there might be some delays on that um and vulcan is definitely definitely delayed uh, i i feel sorry for the uh, for the ula because they've got all these launches lined up for the uh, for uh, defense and those launches they're not going to be able to fulfill yeah. them on Vulcan. It's not, it usually takes two years to certify a, a new rocket, and they haven't even started yeah. it. The, the clock starts when they launch the Vulcan for the first time. Yeah, and I mean, that's, people. That's all stuff coming over to SpaceX. Yeah, so. and people are so excited about SpaceX running away mm. with this, and I think it's a disaster. Like, I think it's, ter it's a terrible thing. Like, obviously, it's great that SpaceX is accomplishing and pushing the rocket industry, mm. but, but you need healthy competition. We need Blue Origin to get in there and start launching and use that and use that Bezos money to catch up and be a serious healthy competitor. We need the smaller launch providers like Rocket Lab to come and and really be vigorous in the small sat market. We need Europe to take two stage rockets seriously. And the Chinese are are furiously working on their version of of hmm. Starship as well. So so I think it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a monopoly for a few years, but I think you're right. I think the hope is that all of these other providers will catch up and bring that healthy competition back into the market. Well, I, I'll say they will never catch up. I'll go out on a limb here. What what they'll do is they'll try and develop what's uh, what SpaceX is doing now, and that's like uh, as a Canadian, you might understand this. It's like uh, skating towards where the puck is now. By the time you get there, the pucks move on. And, and SpaceX is never, ever going to stop uh, development because that's what they do. That, that's their thing. So the only, the only uh, thing they could hope for is SpaceX is just going to bigger and bigger stuff. They're, 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 no, 
they're no longer a launch company they're moving into uh, becoming a space transport company. So there's going to be plenty of space here <laughs> on the ground for, for launch companies to launch from Earth. I mean, uh, Rocket Lab has got a great design. Uh, say, plenty of Chinese people coming up with stuff. It's always going to be some market there to launching uh, to orbit, you know, if they don't want to wait for these huge mega rockets that, that SpaceX is launching. But SpaceX is happy because they're doing their thing. They're, they're on the way to the moon. They're on the way to Mars. Bigger and better things. If ever people want to do launch stuff, they're not going to crush them. Or, <laughs> I mean, they're even, they're even launching OneWeb satellites. They're going to be – every satellite they launch, they'll probably lose like uh, – a you know, a couple of million dollars from lost business because Star Starlink is competing directly with OneWeb, but they don't mind, you know, competition. Yeah. It's it's made them strong. It's making, you know, it's they have to bite, claw to get where they are now, and, and it's made them a strong, yeah. strong company. Well, you know, you say that, but, I mean, the, the market leader always gets uh, fat and lazy. So if the longer SpaceX goes without having serious competition, the, the slower, less competitive it'll become, and eventually competitors mm -hmm. will, will show up to give it a, a serious challenge. It may be able to last a long time, but, but I, you know, I, I do kind of have faith in, the, in, in, healthy, in healthy competition. Uh, so I want to talk about the sort of integration of Starship into the Artemis mission. And hmm. NASA, I don't know if you saw, NASA released a series of documents showing how they plan to actually use Starship with Artemis and sort of how the launch profile is going to work. Can we talk about this? Uh, how is Starship going to play a role in, in the return to the moon? Well, they've got four uh, moon landings scheduled so far and under contract to NASA. Uh, the, the vehicle that they've come up with, it looks great. It's got uh, a lift, so you can, sorry, elevator, so you can go from the top to the bottom, because it's quite a tall vehicle. Uh, and it's got twin airlocks. That's pretty well unknown, really, for the other two designs they had for the same competition. You know, redundant airlocks. So you can have people coming and going at the same time. Wow. I didn't know about that. <laughs> you know, That's amazing. Uh, well, in theory, you could have 100 people in there, but I think they'll have a little less as the Orion can only take four at the moment, right. and only two of those will be going down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... Whew. It, it it's just a, a beast of a lander. Uh, it's interesting because NASA actually came to them, uh, SpaceX, uh, and SpaceX were going to do like uh, a lander to their original specification, which was like uh, the uh, the national team and Dynetics, uh, a relatively small affair. But uh, SpaceX, sorry, NASA said to them, well could you do something with the Starship? And they said, oh, well, you know, yeah, of course. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you want Starship? Fine. And they put it in. But uh, the idea is that because it can put like uh, 100, 100 tonnes of useful payload, I mean, it says 200 tonnes, but I think you might be classing the actual lander as well as being right. useful payload because it's a, it's a habitat. You can use it as a base station as well. But you put 100 tonnes on, on, on the moon, you can you can build a, a, a I said a star base a, 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 a moon base there that, that that's that's the long term plan so they're planning ahead and, and if 
if you have a permanent settlement on the moon, well, you have two major destinations. You know, uh, you have Earth and you have the moon. Then you can start building up a real space economy. It's it's fabulous. So how will this work then? Um, like, SpaceX will launch. Are they going to refuel it? How are they going to sort of set up to be prepared to become the lander? How will that mission profile work? Well, uh, they launch they launch uh, the HLS, uh, the Human Landing System, to orbit. It doesn't need fins. It doesn't need a heat shield. This is not coming back to Earth. And then it docks with their uh, refueling depot, and uh, which is just tops it right up to the up to the top of the tank and then off off it goes to the moon and it'll go into orbit around the moon wait until the orion docks with it and lands or if the unmanned ones it'll just go straight there and and land and uh hopefully later on there will be uh, a a facility to bring it back (laughs) will it provide like services to multiple missions yeah, I mean that—that's the plan, as I understand it. It's gonna uh, the first, you know, few might get left there, but if they can shuttle it between uh, the moon and uh, low lunar orbit, uh, put you could put like a tanker there as well, mm. and then you just run it backwards and forwards. You really don't need much propellant to take off from the moon and, and get to the lunar. It's, I think it's like one point six as delta v, where it's like yeah. ten for a reusable vehicle to get from Earth to low Earth orbit. So, you know, it's not too bad. You don't need much right. uh, big vehicle like that. Yep. Um, and so we can kind of imagine the the space launch system is going to launch. It's going to be carrying the Orion capsule. It's going to fly up to meet with the, I guess the Orion capsule will meet with Starship, which will be kind of hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> the astronauts no. will get out of their <laughs> their Orion capsule, get into the Starship. Starship will land on the moon they'll take mm. an elevator down to the star like down. again like when you think so about high. the lunar lander and then you think about this <laughs> this gigantic rocket as a, as a lunar lander <laughs> yeah um and then they'll they'll perform their mission and come back but but with the amount of cargo you you know you see them being more permanent this time around than the apollo oh yeah uh, i mean that that's uh, what the whole thing is designed for the uh hls starship it's a it's it's basically a base. You're you're putting a, a, a skyscraper on the moon, which you can use as a base, uh, right? And if you want to build anything else, that's fine, you know. Uh, but you've got everything you need there. You've got y- y- your full uh, life support system. You've got a e- easy entry and exit. You can even like uh, roll some buggies out if you want to, you know. If you something can fold up and go on the elevator, uh, it, it's just uh, everything NASA could ever possibly uh, dream of on the moon straight away as soon as you land it uh yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it's almost like they haven't got the hardware figured out Mm. that they're going to want to bring because the capability of this as a lander is so ludicrous that that they haven't even Mm. you know they even know what they're going to fill it with yet paradigm paradigm shift they call it yeah Yeah. you've you've sort of get into the mindset right well we've got to have like a, a all of our all of our hardware has got to be able to fold up and go within like a, you know, a, a, a three meter fairing or a five meter fairing. But no, 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 no. You're talking about nine meters and that's, no, it doesn't have to fold. You just, just put it in there, yeah. you know, and strap it down. <laughs> You're ready to go. <laughs> you know, I was talking with uh, Casey Hanmer a couple of years, actually a couple of months ago, 
and and he was he was talking about how he doesn't see a lot of people at NASA and various space agencies really thinking about the capability of of Starship and what that can bring to their missions effectively dr either dramatically reducing the cost increasing the the you know the size of the payload increasing the amount of that they can launch do you think that people are are taking this system seriously as they plan out their missions well, I think uh, uh, publicly, no, because they've got all of their uh, systems in place. They've got, you know, all the technology they're, they're comfortable with. It, it, it's pretty really because uh, you <laughs> between wars, you get into a very sort of status quo uh, way of operating. Technology sort of sometimes takes one step forwards and two steps backwards, like the SLS, you know, which you're going from a partially reusable to a non-reusable vehicle. Uh, it's instead of fighting somebody else in a wartime set, uh, setting, you you fighting your neighbor or somebody who has a different colored flag to you or, you know, in the <laughs> all sorts of things. Whereas more time people tend to set aside their differences and don't even want uh, luxuries. So, but as it's coming back to your point, they've, they've got their way of doing things and they're wedded to the SLS. And if they don't have SLS, they don't have any money. So at the moment they're just sort of putting it on the back burner yeah. but they are aware i am sure they are aware of the potentiality of a starship because they did invite them into the artemis program so you know um that was a lot back door to, nice back door because even though it's uh congress really doesn't want a starship because it's like the death knell for mm -hmm. sls because it's supporting them in the artemis program well that that was a that was a key move by NASA. You've got to give them the score on that one uh, because <laughs> they got they got to fund both at the end of the day. That was yeah. It is interesting that to demonstrate that he can provide a reasonable solution to this, they're having to develop this entirely on their own with essentially no, originally no support from NASA. They've they've done this all privately, and it's only. Mm. And, and you can imagine, like, you know, they'll have to send a rocket to the moon carrying their own astronauts waving from the moon to going, now can we supply a rocket system to the moon, please? Now can we be a part of this? Um, yeah. uh, that was originally what, what Musk had said. is like, is this what it's going to take? Is us actually landing on the moon to prove mm. that we can help you land on the moon? Mm, it's funny because I, uh, I wrote a book called uh, uh, New Space, Our Shining Future. And I said, well, eventually SpaceX would go so far down the development route that NASA would just be forced to bring a whole dump truck full of money and just empty it on SpaceX's doorstep, the doorstep because they cannot allow a starship to fly without that nasa meatball on the side yeah. of it because uh, it, it's just political suicide that you know this the accountability uh, congress well why is there a, a private space program which is outperforming you two to one and it, it only costs like a tenth of what we're giving you you know so yes now <laughs> that they are aware of starship and it is coming increasingly into the picture <laughs> yeah uh, yeah now your now your new book is detailing the future plans of SpaceX into the mm. far future. What do you think the the what comes next? Like 
let's assume that Starship works, it becomes dependable, it's able to launch multiple times a day, it's able to send 100 tons to orbit, large volumes off off world. Mm. What happens then? Oh, then you're not just talking SpaceX, uh, you're talking about singularity. Uh, Elon Musk has a big plan. And it's not just SpaceX, people are beginning to realize now that all of his companies are involved. Uh, they all have the same template. They're into tech development. They're in different areas. But sooner or later, there'll be a singularity. Uh, he's already hinted at it. He's going to do his uh, master plan three, and that's going to involve SpaceX, Tesla, and Boeing Company. Even though it, this master plan has always been for Tesla, they will come together. He has a... Um, he has the rights to a name XCOM, which he bought from PayPal, and he's 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 renewed it recently. Even though it was a great difficult, uh, great difficulty, he said it took him hours to renew his rights to it because you have to renew it every ten years, I believe. So he's really interested. He really wants to retain that name for some hmm. reason, and he was asked on. Uh, uh, he was he was asked whether he would actually have a holding company called X and uh, for all of his shares, because he has, you know, ownership of, of uh, SpaceX, basically, and ownership of Boeing Company, and has a substantial and growing stake in Tesla. Uh, so, yes, they, they could all just come together under one holding company right. and then move together uh, in his large plan okay uh, i can detail a little bit more of that yeah if you what want. is the plan the, the yeah plan. I mean, so, right to x.com that was that was the original payment company that he had mm. developed and then it got he merged with paypal and so he was yep. able to hold on to the x.com domain name and and name all this time that's yeah well he just paid paypal for it uh, at the end of the day i mean they convinced yeah. him they, they nerfed xcom and said oh it should really be paypal and that's a really good name and he, oh yes yes yeah. but when he left the company um he, he asked afterwards he asked if he could actually have that name and they, well we're not doing anything with it it's just an x what possible use could it be yeah, <laughs> yeah so what is the master plan what is the what is the what is the as you understand it okay well as as i as i see it the uh, the big plan is SpaceX. Well, all of these companies they've absolutely been fine tuned to develop technology. They are the, some of the best technology companies on the planet. They are really, really good at what they do. But still, it's not enough. Uh, Elon says to get from where we are now to uh, a, a spacefaring. Uh, society, civilization, uh, something like they have in Star Wars or Star Trek. He, he prefers Star Trek, uh, or he leans towards that. Yeah, he's, I mean, that's he's very central. That's, that's clearly the uh, better. Really... It's the clue, the better religion. Oh, don't, Star don't start that. Don't start yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but uh, to get there, it's just too big a jump in, in technology. Uh, the main problem is earth it's it's too high a gravity the temp temperature is too high the air pressure is too high we're used to those conditions and there's nothing like that in space it, it's mainly the gravity you get to end up with a few percentage of your payload to get to orbit now so 
the first step is they really need to get to Mars. Uh, there, that's a great place for launching. You don't even need a booster. It's fabulous. There's materials just lying all around. The reason why it's red is, is it's iron. Uh, that's rust on the surface. So there's plenty of materials lying around there. Uh, fabulous. But he, he says some interesting things about Mars. He says, uh, well, we understand that they, they want to have a, um, a, a free planet. It's not just setting up a, 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 a country there. It's going to be a whole f planet is going to be free, okay, Analy unaligned to any country. That's unusual. Mm -hmm. uh, he also says he wants to have direct democracy there, um, which is basically you sack the politicians. Every It's like an Athenian, uh, Athenian democracy where every now and again when they have a major issue all the citizens come together and they vote yay or nay they cast a black stone or a white stone uh, on, on an issue and depending on how many stones you have that that's what you how the vote comes out except for on mars they want to do it with phones everybody sees the issue and they found uh, and they vote yes or no that sounds so, that, um, that could get annoying i'd be like you know, do you want to increase the budget to this subsection of that? Uh, whatever. Mm. I'll, just start, I'll just start pressing my phone randomly because I, I won't <laughs> care anymore. You know? Well, it, 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 it could go that way. But I think the people they're going to be sending to Mars are going to be very interested in their own uh, welfare and survival. And what he wants to do is just have laws which are like one or two pages long, basically, so anybody can scan through it. Because, as I say, uh, the devil is in the detail. You see any of the current laws being passed and, and who gets what and why, you know, that's all going to be gone. You just right. take a look at it and say yes. And it won't be too often uh, they'll, they'll have these laws because they don't want a lot of laws. We already have too many laws. We have It's just slowing us down. So it seems a bit strange he's going sort of way out on a limb with all these, uh, with these, all these proposals. But you really have to sort of see it from SpaceX's and his frame of reference. Now, the frame of reference is... Yeah, Mars is a great place to launch uh, from, uh, and probably the US is is the best place to uh, build space technology and and an assorted other technology like Tesla does the surface stuff and Boeing Company does the underground stuff. Um, but there's still problems. It's not perfect. Uh, for instance, I believe SpaceX approached NASA in 2012 with the idea of an MCT, which is a Mars Colonial Transporter. And NASA was like, well, you know, we have the SLS. We just started a new rocket. Sorry, you've missed that, you know. And But they didn't give up. They tried to sell them the idea. They repackaged it uh, in 2016 at the, at the International Astronautical Congress. And they said, oh, it's too ambitious. So they brought down the size at the 2017 uh, uh, in IAC, and they said, well, no, we still can't go for it. And it wasn't until, as you say, they started to actually build one that NASA said, oh, yes, oh, oh, you're building a completely reusable spacecraft. Oh, could we, could we help you pay for that? And they were That's like, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, have, you have the problem. I mean, SpaceX even tried to sell the idea to the uh, US Air Force, and they said, oh, too risky too risky um you know we like to drive technology but too risky so for about a decade there the two groups which should have been supporting 
this development sort of demurred. Uh, I mean, Elon originally said uh, it could be built in 10 to 10 to 20 years uh, back in 2011, and presumably 10 years is if he got funding. So right now they could be looking at landings on Mars, but no, they demurred. So yeah. that is a problem. That they, they don't have. Uh, well, they don't have continuous support from from the local government. All right. Uh, another problem. Oh, well, if you want to, if you want to comment on that. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I mean, I think you know, I come from the tech world and have been involved in many of those meetings, many of those kinds of conversations with mm. um, uh, venture capitalists and people wanting to take companies public and and looking to to increase funding and all that you know and i'm a i'm, I'm a little sick of it um mm. um but but i i mean i can definitely see like there's kind of you know the stated goal from spacex or from elon musk is that we want to make humanity multi-planetary that we want you know mm. we've got too many eggs in this one basket maybe um it's I mean, Earth is the best place in the universe and anyone who oh, lives absolutely. on Mars for probably hundreds of years is going to be mostly just trying to not die. Mm. So mm. they're going to they're going to wish, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult all the time for them. And and I can definitely understand like some kind of, um, I guess, political system that will try to match that. But you definitely have the entrenched interests of the nations on Earth and the more powerful that Mars gets the more mm. they're going to want to influence <laughs> and, and, you know, apply leverage in various ways. Mm. I mean, we've seen this happen many, many times here before on Earth. So I think, you know, trying to scope out a libertarian vision is an interesting, um, I don't know, it's, like a, it's an interesting ambition. It's an interesting idea. It's definitely, you know, you, it would definitely be great to sit down and think about how we can make government and how we can make politics and all that a lot better. And maybe you do mm. need a clean slate to be able to work out some of those ideas in truth, kind of like what happened with the United States and places like that. Um, but I think there's like a lot of reality that needs to catch up here where, where the reality of living on Mars needs to be fully understood where we've got a research station on Mars and people are living there and giving us a true understanding in the same way that mm. that Antarctica is shows us what it, what it's like an Antarctic station shows us what it's like to live in Antarctica not mm. fun nobody wants to do it mm. you go there uh, well, to do uh, research uh, just to, just to to your point um so there's two other problems here on earth uh quickly too many regulations. They've just lost a year of development due to regulations, uh, having to re-process re, uh, their environmental assessment. And at one point, uh, good old Jeff Bezos, bless him, was uh, issuing one lawsuit against SpaceX a week. Right. So every, every dollar they spend on lawsuits is one less dollar they can spend on, uh, on moving humanity to the next step of an evolution. Uh, so you have all these like uh, uh, cultural, societal problems. But if you start again on, on Mars, you can just say, OK, well, we can have minimal regulations. We can have no regulations if we want. OK, uh, we can have a legal system because they do intend to sort of set the Constitution before for anybody who goes there. Um, 
and, and just say, okay, we'll have a legal system where, where everybody brings a frivolous lawsuit. It just won't come to court. It'll be ruled out before you get there. Um, your government is any is any are the people going to be interested in space considering they are in space and they are utterly reliant on uh, on those ships coming from earth i mean probably one of the first things they're going to vote on is is building mega carriers because at the moment the well as soon as they start sending starships down there you lose that starship for 26 months. It flies flies to Mars, and it's got to be refueled and comes back. If you can make a me mega carrier, a big carrier craft in, in orbit, say in Mars or Earth, you can use those same same starships just to keep ferrying to and from orbit, loaded up with just a humongous amount of cargo, people, goods, whatever, and then just one ship goes there, and then you use the same starships over a two, two-year period to unload it uh, and, and load it up to go back. So that is a very logical extension, and, and Mars would be a great place to do that, because they say you don't even need a booster to get to orbit. Uh, so, But regard your point, the cold, it's like 70 degrees C colder on Mars. The atmosphere is 1% of Earth. Uh, the gravity is a third. But that is a bonus, because that is a halfway house to deep space that you sort of edge instead of like doing that big jump from earth uh to space you're going you're going to mars and then all those conditions are sort of semi-like space so if you can learn to live there then then you can learn to live uh, that that should help you uh build that mega carrier carrier and uh, live in uh, deep space and when you've done that but you can send the mega carrier out to the outer solar system and you can use it as an intrasolar system where it gets even colder and less gravity and 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 when you've done that you can set you can uh, and you build even bigger ships to go to the out, uh, outer edge of the solar system and then you can use perhaps them to go beyond even once you've uh, completed your adaptation <laughs> yeah I'm, well you know i'm i you know i always say gravity wells are for suckers so i mm. think i'd say skip the mars step and just build those orbital stations and set up your artificial gravity and uh and get that's too get tough going. it's too tough this is, <laughs> Maybe this so. is elon's it's elon's plan you do it in steps because he's yeah. an engineer he says it, you know if, if it's just too big a thing to consume at once you take it in smaller bites uh, and and mars is going to be a great place because it's just as i say it's not a here is neither in space and it's neither earth really it's its own like domain all right yeah. environment it's perfect well, environment we'll, we'll see how this all this all plays out uh chris mm. it's always a pleasure to talk with you um your newest book what's it called do you have a cop do you have a copy handy uh um, it hasn't even, it's so new it hasn't even been printed yet right it's called spacex evolution uh, and uh and it just deal goes into quite some depth about the big plan and how how they're going to achieve it and the effects on humanity long long term uh i mean ambition really is too small a word for it if he's going to type raise our society to a full space faring uh, sort of culture uh, and and he has he has a plan i mean he wants to do it he wants to do it before 2050 because he wants to do it in his lifetime he, he thinks if something needs doing it you need to do it now. So that, yeah. that's why he's going to Mars. He's gonna he's gonna go there in the next ten years. He says so. Uh, he always goes where the bottleneck is, and the bottleneck will definitely be Mars. Making them self-sustaining before 2015. He's got a lot of work on his hands. He really does. Yeah. Well, Chris, yeah. absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, 
I'm sure we'll talk in a couple more years and we'll we'll get a chance to reference this and see how how okay, all of these technologies out. are are progressing. Mm. But uh, but thanks for thanks for coming by and good luck with okay. your books. Okay, oh, thanks for having me and right, uh, I'm I'm love love the show. <laughs> all right, bye bye. Okay. Okay. Um, and stream.